my experience was that people kept showing up at our door and helping myself, my husband, and our three kids because somehow they figured out that they mattered, that what they did mattered, and they were absolutely right. I want every listener to please know how much you matter. I think today sometimes we forget that, that you know, that little smile you give to somebody the two bucks you pay for somebody else, the, the, you know, letting somebody in, in front of you in the car, all those things you do are your being kind and open and could help somebody. Um, and I want you to know that when your friend or, you know, some acquaintance who you don't even know that well is dealing with loss or death, what you do and say to them really matters. And you have the ability to help them build a foundation from which they could launch their new life from. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on again. Come on in here today. Yeah, let's get started here. Let's do something. Hey, I don't know about y'all, but I need some motivation. I need some inspiration. I need encouragement that when I know something's coming around in life, I get kicked in the teeth. I know that I can grab a hold of this little nugget we're going to get today and we can get through it and move on and still have a great life. All right. Today, our guest. She said that uh, she, back in uh, 2009, she watched her husband take his last breath, okay? As tough as that may sound, hmm. okay? But during his illness and after his death, she was amazed by the helpful ways that her co-workers, bosses, friends, and family supported them. She started calling their act of kindness acts of love. All right, so let's get started here. Welcome to the show, author of the book, A Hundred Acts of Love, The Girlfriend's Guide to Loving Your Friend Through Cancer or Loss, Kim Hamer. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Oh, thank you for being here. I uh, like your uh, book cover, just a little simple, just to get your attention. Yes, nothing nothing that's going to make people shift and wonder what's this about is it tells them up front so that's good <laughs> you know you well, see some you. books you look you see some books you go what the hell is that and, <laughs> and, and so uh i mean and i'm sure they had a their own way of visioning and come out exactly what they wanted but uh sometimes it goes over my head but uh i like just the simple stuff well thank you i like the simple stuff too so all right, uh, Kim, thank you for being here. And uh, sorry for your loss with your husband. And thank yeah, you. Um, my, we talked about my mother before we got started here. And she actually watched my dad take his last breath, but it was unexpectedly. She was told mm-hmm. she was, uh, he was, he had bad health here for a while. He had open heart surgery back in the uh, late 80s, early 80s. And then he was just wasn't feeling good, took him to the, doctor and they had him in hospital a couple of days and that morning I, I was still I was 16 years old and I remember the phone call and mom got mm. off the phone and the doctor said doctor told mom says 
there's nothing more we can do for your uh, do for him. Um, you can come home and get him, take him home. I can't guarantee he'll make it uh, this week, six months, a year. Um, wow. She goes up to get him and they're waiting to be discharged from the hospital and the lunch comes in and my dad says, Oh, I'm not hungry. I'm going to wait to eat lunch with my boys when I get home for lunch with them and said, but I'll take some tea and he reached for the tea and then dropped dead right there in front of my mom. Wow. So she didn't wow. have no, no time to, I mean, it's great. You have time to give that last, I love you and goodbye. Yes, and absolutely. She, she didn't get that. And, wow. but, but the thought she come home and told us, I wanted to, to come home and eat lunch with my boys. Yeah. You know, so, you know, for that, but yeah. So, yep. So, you know, we're in the boat a little bit with you, but not exactly, but yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, you know, you were 16. You're also very young. You know, I think we forget that um, death is a very different experience for those who are, you know, un- whose, whose brains are not fully developed. So the really that's anyone under 25. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was, um, and then again, we knew his health was poor from the heart attack he had and the open heart surgery. And he hadn't worked in a couple of years because of that. But still, we weren't prepared for the death, you know. Yeah. yeah she was going to pick him up and bring him home. And, and then we go from there. And yeah, didn't didn't make it. So, all yeah. right. So, Kim, let's get to your story. Forget about mine, man. I mean, when it's, uh, we want to have this. Uh, we want to give you the platform. We want to get you... <laughs> Share your story with us and help people and, uh, you know, help them get through their tragedy. Well, thank you. Um, So, yeah, my story starts with uh, my husband and I in the doctor's office. And uh, the doctor's not talking to us. He's looking at the results on the computer screen and looking through some papers that the nurse had printed out, that someone had printed out for him. And he's taking notes. And finally, he looks up at my husband and says, okay, here's the treatment we're going to go with. And he explains the treatment. And he talks about at the end, we're going to do this bone marrow transplant. And, you know, and he says it's going to take about six to seven months of treatment, intense treatment, you're not going to be able to work. And then he started to talk more after that, but I stopped listening. Because at that point, you know, my husband is the primary breadwinner of the family. And we don't have six to seven months worth of savings in our account. Mm -hmm. So I just, my brain just kind of shuts off and starts to think, you know, how can we make more money? Where can I pull money from? You know, all this, you know, just massive panic. Then a couple of days later, I hear my husband in the study talking to his boss and something about the tone of his voice made me get up off the couch and walk into the study. And as I came in, he you know, hung up the phone and I said, honey, what, what did he say? And he just sort of stood there for a second. He looked, he was already looking very pale because the the cancer had really kind of taken a toll on him already. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was looking paler. And I said, what, you know, what did Tom say? And, and I was just, I was just so afraid that Tom had just told him that he couldn't work. Right. So I'm in my mind again, is spinning. And my husband says, Tom said that they're going to cover my salary for the next seven months. So oh, wow. all of a sudden, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that uh, one thing that we forget is 46% of those who are diagnosed with cancer are between the ages of 25 and 64. 
And those are prime working years. And so we forget that, you know, people, we often think that cancer is sometimes separate from work. And my experience, clearly from what the story I just showed, is that it's not separate from work. Um, so my husband... Um, so I, I, like I said, like you said in the bio, you know, people started doing these amazing things for us and they started to feel like acts of love. But something I noticed was that some people knew exactly what to do and what to say. And many more didn't know what to do or what to say. They just were clueless. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my husband beat the cancer the first time around. And so it did take almost exactly seven months, but then there was a lot of recovery. There's, uh, you know, residue from there was recovering from side effects of the chemo he had been given. He had to go back to work at first. It was part-time because of his energy was so low. So it took a while for him to get back to work, but he did go back mm -hmm. and we started to try to pick the pieces up, um, of our relationship. And then less than two years later, the cancer came back and he died four months after that. I mean, his body was just done. And again, you know, did, cancer so come back, did it come back more aggressive or like back, you said that the, his body was just so wore out? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it was the same cancer, which was interesting. Um, I think his body was worn out and it did feel like it was more aggressive. Um, but the mm -hmm. first one was very aggressive. He went from having okay. a little trouble breathing. Um, and then three weeks later, like literally not being able to breathe, like having you know, his mm -hmm. oxygen saturation level was 90% or something crazy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but it was a, it was a very aggressive cancer. Um, and so I noticed the same thing, like I said, you know, like some people knew exactly what to do and other people didn't know what to do. And so a couple of years after he died, I, you know, when you look at books, regarding cancer and loss, there's a lot of stuff out there for the people who are going through it, right? Gazillion cancer websites, you know, groups, Facebook groups, Instagram, you know, all this stuff, lots of websites for people grieving, mostly on the older end, but now we're starting to see a lot of websites for younger people who are grieving, but there's nothing, there's very little out there to tell someone what to do if your friend is the one who's going through cancer. Yeah. And the way I looked at it is if one in three people are going to get cancer, that's the stat for women, then the other two need to know how to support their friend or their sister or their coworker. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I came to be. That's how I came to write the book was because I wanted to give people the tools to be able to show up very simply and easily in a person's life. Something I discovered while my husband was sick and after he died was that the big things that people did were helpful, right? But it was the small things. You know, I often say, I'm going to back up for just a second. I often say, you know, I'm not here doing what I'm doing right now because I'm strong and I'm courageous. And I was like, yeah, I got this, right? It got through my husband's mm -hmm. grief. I am here because the foundation that I was given when my husband was sick and after he died was these with these small kind acts that people did. And every day that somebody showed up at my door and every day that someone called and every day that someone said, you know, really looked me in the eyes and, and said, how are you at this moment? Every time someone did that, it just gave me the strength to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's how the book came to be is I wanted people to know 
you don't have to bring the person meals every Monday for six months to make a difference. I wanted people to know that, you know, just putting a cooler by the front door so the person doesn't have to be there to respond to everyone who brings meals is a huge deal. I wanted people to know that next time you're at the grocery store, you can call them up and say, what five things are you almost out of right now? I'm going to pick them up and drop them off for you. Like those little things, those simple little gestures are really powerful, especially when they're put together with a bunch of other simple gestures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Yes. Some, you know, don't get me wrong. The, the, the grand great picture of it all is awesome, but it's the little things that people are unaware of and could pick up. I mean, it could be as simple as, Hey, uh, I know you hadn't had time. Let me do your laundry. Uh, yes. And, and bring and bring and you know, get nice and folded and bring it into you. Um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I know you hadn't had time. Let me um, get your oil changed in. Mow the lawn, get your oil yep. changed in your vehicle because uh, you, you need that running to be able to get back and forth to the hospital and treatments. And yeah, I so, said, yes, yeah, the great big picture of, of the, like I said, the meals that always come. I mean, that's more as welcome, it's thankful, but it's the small thing that means, means a lot because. You're so busy going through everything else with your husband and treatments and caring for him that you don't think about the yard needs uh, trimming, need oil in the ve- uh, vehicle change. Right. Uh, you know, uh, again, laundry, you know, yep. especially when you get kids. You know, exactly. So, you know, exactly. So yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I agree with yep. you there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and the book is actually designed that way. So you can just quickly open it up and you can see there's a tip called be the bathroom stalker, you know, and it's the S T O C K E R. And your job will just be making sure that your friend has toothpaste, you know, a bra, a hairbrush, conditioner, shampoo, soap, all those basic things. Cause I think that we forget when we're in crisis, when someone's in crisis, they can do those basic things, but it, takes a Herculean effort because all their energy is being spent caring for and thinking about the person that they're trying to care for or caring for and thinking about themselves. And so those little things are really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. So I, it, um, what amazes me, all right, what amazes me is people have great intentions when it comes to a loss uh, during the suffering, but sometimes they just don't know when to shut their damn mouth. <laughs> they say they say the wrong thing, but they think it's the greatest thing in the world. Yes, sir. So, James, this is my major. It is the first. It's actually the first tip in the book, and I always say, if you take nothing else, take this. And it is, don't say if you need anything, let me know. And it feels like it's the most helpful sentence in the world. Because in the minute you do mean anything, and you really do want them to let you know so you can go do that one thing. But the reality is it's not helpful. And there's what I like to do is I like to take that up. Like there's an anatomy of a bad thing to say. So we're going to take that. We're going to look at that anatomy. And mm-hmm. then we're going to apply that and reverse anatomy to what to say. 
So the first thing about that statement is usually it's said with a lot of meaning, but it doesn't doesn't even acknowledge what's happening in that person's life. And if you think about when you've had a bad day at work or you want to talk to somebody because you're upset with something, you just really want someone to listen. You don't want them to share their opinion with you. You don't want them to fix it. You just want to say, this really, this really crappy thing is happening and I'm really not happy about it. And so that statement doesn't do that, although it does do it a little bit, usually because the tone is like, oh my gosh, if you need anything, let me know, right? So that shares that caring. Mm -hmm. The second reason it's not helpful is what is anything? Like, exactly. Anything I, was, I was thinking, let's be specific. You got it. You're, you're, you're yeah. stealing my lines from me, James. Uh, well, well, I'm also looking at your. I'm also looking at your website. So I was trying okay. to trying to not laugh and say I'm. I was going to say I'm setting you up right here. Uh, but, uh, I was trying not to do that. So I, I, I did my dramatic pause for the ones that are listening, not watching. And uh, but I'm looking at your free download on your website. And this there is you excellent. Go. It's the Thank five you. five phrases you should never say to anyone with cancer and I, I mean i know you're talking cancer but still i'm sure there's stuff in there you shouldn't you should never say to anyone with a loss well uh, yeah. suffering whatever i mean yep. my one example what i was leading to is my younger brother passed away his alcoholism caught up with him mm. and we're at the funeral home and someone goes up to my mother and says to a mother just lost her son. Now, granted, he was 37 years old, but still, it's a mother losing her son. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, says to my mom, well, God knew that you were strong enough and it was time to take him home. Oh, yeah. And, she's, and she says, yeah. and she turned around to them and says, well, I wish I was weak then so he'd be here. Yeah. And then they had nothing to say after that. Yep. So yep. That's, what, that's what I say. Sometimes just keep your mouth shut, listen, nod your head, yep. give them a yep. hug and move. Yep. Yep. Well, so, I mean, I think that, 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 so that's another part of the anatomy is it's, we feel the need to try to fix it. When we're mm -hmm. saying something that's trying to fix the pain, that is the exact wrong thing to say. So, you know, the other people like stay strong. That's not helpful. That's not useful. The yeah. God didn't give you more than you could handle. And I was like, you know what? I was like, look, I've had plenty of conversations with God. And I'm like, you know what? This is too much, you know? And, and maybe it's not more than me, more than what I can handle, but my children, they can't handle this. So don't tell me that God did, you know, can't get, doesn't give me more than I can handle. So I know. So a, a, another bad part of a, of a thing to say is we're, tr we're, what we're saying is trying to fix it to make it better for them. And, yeah. um, it's just not helpful. So, um, back to the, if not, you know, uh, if you need anything, let me know. So anything is too big. And I always use the examples. I had a toddler at that time. So you, were you going to take your brand new detailed, you know, fancy car up to preschool to pick up my vomiting child? Cause I might need it in that moment. Is that what you meant That's by right. anything? Or did you mean you, you wanted to drop off a, uh, you know, a really nice bottle of wine? So anything is too big. The second, re the third reason it's not helpful is you're asking the person to come up with the idea of what they need. And while they they do need certain things and some people will be able to tell you what they need, when my husband first got sick and I talked to a lot of other people with cancer, they have no idea what they need. I knew I needed meals because I didn't like to cook and my husband was the cook. That was the only thing I needed. People are like, you need to get, you know, you need to make sure your kids get to school every day. And I was like, 
right. We were in a district. We were, they were schools that didn't have school buses. So I was like, right, they need rides to school because I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, someone said, hey, you know, do you want us to give rides to art up to the treatment center? I was like, yes. So, so the person who's dealing with the crisis is usually, especially if it's a new crisis, usually does not know exactly what they need. Oh, or exactly. if they or they do, it's like 2 a.m. in the morning and they're not about to call you. The fourth reason it's not helpful is because now you are leaving it up to the person who's extremely vulnerable, whose world has just been turned upside down by cancer, death, loss, hospitalization, whatever it is, child death, you know, spouse has just been diagnosed. You're asking that person in their vulnerable state to come to you and ask you to do something that you may not want to do and hear the dreaded, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and even if it doesn't happen, we all have that notion in our head. And then on top of it, you are asking them to come and ask for help. And whenever I give this presentation live or even on Zoom, I say, how many of you are really good at giving help, offering help? And like 99% of people raise their hand. And I say, okay, keep your hand up if you're really good at accepting or asking for help. And 98% of the people <laughs> lower their hands, right? We, in this country, we don't, we're not good at asking for help. And so now you've put this person who you care about, who you want to support in the position of trying to figure out what they want it, what they need, be, trying to find the courage to ask you and then risk, you know, and then get through the whole notion of asking for help. So a, a, a negative, a, a thing to say that isn't good, it usually distances you from the situation. So you don't have to get in there with them, right? You don't have to feel it. You don't have to walk away kind of feeling, feeling heart sick. It usually is some type of one liner. So it's usually, you know, be strong. God can't give you more than you can handle. Um, you got this. Um, or it's the comparison. My uncle's father had cancer three times and he survived, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and, and it's the first time with cancer. Or um, someone told me um, a couple of weeks after my husband died that I really shouldn't, I don't really have to worry because I'm young and I can still get remarried. Like that was going to solve the problem, right? So it, whatever it is that we try to say, we're trying to force a view of comfort onto the person. And that yep. leads to a negative outcome. The positive phrases all start from, I just want to say one thing. The good thing about that negative phrase, if you need anything, let me know, is it is going into action and action's really important. Now, the positive phrases acknowledge what the person is going through. So it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I know sometimes that phrase, because sometimes we throw it around a lot, doesn't feel as supportive, but it really is. You're saying to the person, I'm sorry, this is your part of your life journey. I'm sorry, this is happening to you or to your children or to your mother or to your parents or your siblings, right? I'm so sorry. And then you can, another great thing to say is, I don't know what to say. Now that is a really powerful phrase because it describes exactly what's happening. Like this is so crappy and so unbelievable that I am speechless. I don't know what to say. Um, There's a great saying that I have in my book that I love 
there was a 13 year old girl who was hit by a car out here in Los Angeles. It, you know, it was very big in the news because um, she was traveling across a major street, the Sunset Boulevard, which is a major boulevard out here. She was crossing across the street to get the bus. So the students were there, parents were there. It was not pretty. Um, and he said, the rabbi said at the funeral, he said, you know, there are three things you can say. I'm sorry this is happening to you. Your pain breaks my heart. You are not alone. And I love that. It's so beautiful because it mm -hmm. acknowledges, I'm sorry this is happening. And this hurts me too. You know, it's not a comparison of loss. It's just like your loss, your whatever you're going right now hurts me. So there's acknowledgement of being in there with them. And then you're letting them know that they're not going to be alone. And then then you get specific on how you can support them. Um, being specific is really important because the person who's dealing with this crisis, one, is not going to remember what you said the first time, <laughs> unless yeah. it's something on top of their like on top of their head. Like right now, they're probably not going to remember. So, if you're really specific, they, there's more chance of them remembering. And the second thing I always say is ask more than once because again, the person is not dealing with a full deck of cards. Um, and so, you know, I mean, offer more than once so that it's really important that you offer, you know, Hey, I know that this maybe seem really weird, but happy to do laundry. Like really, I can pick it up on Friday and have it back for you. And four hours later, all folded, you know, Hey, happy to pick up the kids on Friday and take them to the movies, dinner in the movies. I know you have some uh, meal restrictions on what they can eat. Just let me know what they are and I'll take them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hey, I'm happy to um, take care of uh, of mowing the lawn. I'm going to get all the neighborhood people to to take care of it so you don't have to worry about it. Um, would you like us to use your mower or are you okay if we use our mower? You know, or anything specific you want to know. So taking that very specific action, hey, we're at work. Right, we're at work and hey, I'm happy to, I know you put the agendas together for our meetings. Happy to take that over for you for the next two weeks if you want. Right. And it's just offering again and again and again. Um, in your instance, James, of what someone said to your mother, it usually comes out of our being extremely uncomfortable because, excuse me. <coughs> now, well, you know, we, we're sure that, you know, probably out of their thinking anyway, they're thinking that I'm trying to be helpful, trying to be encouraging, exactly. trying, but when it comes out, it doesn't sound encouraging. And so, yeah. 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 And, and I think that's the thing I do want to acknowledge that most of those negative statements do come from a place of really wanting to help, but they also come from a place of not being able to tap into what's really happening. And it's scary. It takes courage. I think that's the thing that we forget. It takes courage to take the time to feel someone else's pain. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like, honestly, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, when you told me about your mom and, and your brother, you know, I've got a young, I've got they're no longer young. I've got a 25, a 22 and a 20 year old right now. And, you know, then I keep in mind that just because they're almost launched, one of them is launched and two are almost launched doesn't mean nothing bad can happen to them. Right. Oh, so, right. Right. you know, so you told me, you know, your brother was 37. That broke my heart, you know, and it scared me a little bit. And I, of course, want to run from that feeling. Oh, it won't happen to my kids. Da, 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 da. You know, yeah. but but it's it breaks my heart. It hurts. And tapping into that pain for just a moment is so key to being able to say the right thing and take really good, meaningful actions. 
All right, Kim, I'm going to go back to two things here. Yes, uh, sir. Way back when, when we got started here, because uh, mm-hmm. you've been on a roll, baby. We're going to call you Butter. You've been on a roll. <laughs> I and know. So, uh, I love this no, topic. Good. No, I, I can tell you're passionate, and I'm glad. Uh, it uh, makes things easier on the host. And so, uh, <laughs> but uh, but what I was going to say is um, my mom, one time, we talked earlier that uh, she had gone through uh cancer uh twice but the second time i was actually teaching at that time and during my break i went to a call see how she was doing at home with treatment and stuff and and so while i was on my break this other teacher which doesn't have good manners wanted to talk to my mom now dumb me knew no don't do it he goes i want and i said well he gets on he starts off nice say i Hope things are going good, everything. And then next thing before he leave, before he gets off the phone, yeah, I had a friend that died from this. And I'm, yeah. I'm going, <laughs> why would you tell someone that they, you, oh, so I got home that evening and my mom is still crying from that phone call. Yeah. And she said, do not put that man on the phone with me ever again. Yeah. And I'm in a wheelchair. I mentioned that earlier. And um, God knew it needed to be storming and raining uh, that night because I was ready to leave to go back to the school because yep. I knew the guy was refereeing a basketball yep. game yeah. and I would have gone out on that court to confront him Yep, for my mom. Yeah. But yep. God knew yep. to have it storm and raining for me <laughs> exactly. to keep it's me washing, out. Uh, from getting wash, yes. Washing away those feelings for you, taking oh, care of you. <laughs> man, yes. And then the other thing I want to bring up is, uh, yeah, what I was saying there's, you know, say something don't ever end it i had a friend that died from it you know now you're right. putting a thought in somebody else's head that they weren't thinking <laughs> well so. i mean and, and there's that and there's also you know it's just not I, a lot of times we need to remember when we're talking to them it's not about our experience so oftentimes when well, people again come it's the comparison to, Exactly. It's a comparison. And it's it's not about, it's not about when we are talking to the person who's dealing with this loss or with whatever, it's not about us. And I think what happens is we often sort of get, we think, oh my gosh, my friend, my friend's brother's cousin's nephew died of this. Um, We, you know, we think that that's, we, we think that somehow that's helpful information, but we're thinking about our experience. And my friend's cousin's brother's nephew has nothing to do with this person here. There's a commonality in that there's cancer or there's a commonality that there's loss, but it has nothing to do with the situation and with my relationship with who you are. And so I think, I think that we have to, you know, that's why it's so important. I often tell people this, it's really important that if you can, like if you're lucky enough and you find out and you're not with the person at that moment when you find out that they've died or that, you know, someone has died or that they've cancer or they're in the hospital, take a moment to feel your feelings, like get in the car and scream and yell and cry and, you know, write, tell, you know, talk, call someone, tell them how upset you are, like get those feelings out. Because oftentimes when we try to, you know, there's feelings of jealousy, there's feelings of rage, there's feelings of, of, you know, there are people who like all the tragedy happens to them. I never get a tragedy, so I don't get the attention. And, and I'm not saying that that's a, that that's a wrong feeling. It just, it's just a feeling. 
And mm -hmm. so get those things out on paper because then if you don't, they actually leak out of you in your day to day. And that's where the problems for saying the wrong thing happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, the other thing I can, and I'm, you may or may not want to use this with your next Zoom people. But okay. If you do, if you do, <laughs> I, I feel good about it. Okay. Because I've asked a question before. The old saying, it's better to give than receive. You know, so you were saying to the people, how many are givers? 99% of people, I'm a giver. How many ask for it? And then 99% say, no, I don't ask. So is it truly better to give than receive? Because if we're all giving, nobody's receiving anything, right? Except for the people on the bottom row that are taking advantage of your of receiving. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're the mm -hmm. ones down there, not not people that need it, but the people that are on the bottom, because they're going to always take, 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 take. Why aren't you giving me more than this? You know? Right. And so I've come to the conclusion it's a two-way street. We are all, should be all givers and we should all be receivers. Because there's exactly. been a time in your life where you're going to need to swallow your sinful pride and ask. Exactly. And here's the thing that I think is so interesting is when we receive, we give other people permission to receive. I had a friend who told me years later, she had ended up having cancer and she said, I took notes. I took clues from what you did, Kim, and you let people help you. And I realized I needed to let people help you because here's the thing. It's not about you sometimes. They're mm -hmm. helping you is sometimes you're giving them a gift when you exactly. allow them to help you. So I think that that's something that we often forget. We think, oh, no, I don't need any help. I'll be fine. I don't want to bother you. you. I know you've got a really busy life. But they're giving, there's a law, there's a thing called the law of reciprocity, right? Which is means if I give to you, you're supposed to give back to me something of equal or greater value. Mm -hmm. And what happens a lot of times with me it, um, or with other people I've talked to, I remember my friend, um, when her husband died, she was keeping a list of everything that people did for her so she could write thank you notes. And that's just crazy thinking because yes, it's polite, but she had hundreds of people doing, and she didn't have the energy to write thank you notes. Mm -hmm. And what we discussed was that she's on the receiving end of the law of reciprocity. And that's what we forget. Just in being who we are, when we're nice to somebody, when we say hello to somebody every day when we go to work, when we when we call someone up and just say, hey, I was thinking about you today, when we open the door for somebody, whatever it is, when we're nice to somebody, those people, when we're in a, a situation where we need help, they want to pay us back for those small actions that we did. So you have to flip the script as a receiver and understand that people that that people are giving to you because you've already given to them. I think uh, what I find out is amazing is when a perfect stranger you never met and they step in and want to help you. And my example here, just two weeks ago, I'm at the store putting my debit card in to pay. And for some reason, wouldn't accept my debit card. The woman, I put it in three times. It wouldn't work. Right. The cashier so I asked her to help me. She put in three or four times to decline, 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 wouldn't accept. One behind me goes, can I bless you today? And I go, Aww. no, I had, oh, I said, no, 
I went, yep. no, I have money on my dadgum. Right, I, right. I, I don't want to receive, right? I right. don't want to receive. It's embarrassing right. right here. No, I don't want, no, I, my card has money on it. And so right. the woman did the card again. And finally she says, I want to bless you. And then I, I go, I don't know. Then all of a sudden she goes, then, then she threw the words out to me. This is the words I hate hearing. Don't steal my blessings. And like you said, yeah, yeah, don't steal my. So after she said, "Don't steal my blessing," I said, "Yes, ma'am, I would accept your blessing and help." That is good. My card was used seven or eight, nine times. Wouldn't accept. She put her card in one time. Yep. Pushed in the buttons. Everything worked perfect. Yeah. I called my bank to see what was the problem with my card, and they said we don't even see the transaction was even tried from that store. Wow. God, wow. God wanted me to learn a humbled lesson that day, yep. plus to bless her as well. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the thing I really want to point out, humility, we always think that like humility is a bad thing and that we're supposed to learn to be humble or, or I say I'm humble and therefore I am humble. Humility is accepting when you need support, right? It was very humbling for me to see the people who showed up for my husband and myself and my children. And it was even more humbling for me to continually, there were some times I really wanted to stop saying yes, because it felt like it was too, like, it's just too much love. Thank you very much. I've I've only got this much capacity for love and you now it's overflowing and I just too much. Right. And, and it's still those things that people did for us that day still resonate with me now. And it's been 13 years since my husband died. So um, I just, I, you know, there's two sides, right? And I think that as the giver, you need to remember what the receiver is thinking and feeling and address that. Just like that woman said, don't steal my, don't steal my blessings. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, or she could have even said, you know, don't stop God from, from blessings, you know, from yeah. blessing you. Like I'm, I'm working, I'm a vessel of God working through, you know, God's working through me to help you. That's and right. I may not look like Jesus, but trust me, Jesus is working through me. So, so, you know, don't, don't say no to that because whatever reason you are deserving. And I think that we just need to remember that as receivers, because I think that's a really difficult um, thing to remember. You may think of the thing that you did 13 years ago that's really, really bad, or the thing you said to your daughter yesterday that wasn't very nice, and therefore you probably don't really deserve to have people treat you nicely. But there are so many things that you have done for people that are good that you don't even consider a big deal. But you know, your hello that morning that you said hello could have saved this person's life. You don't know exactly. Um, we don't know what people, know- we don't know what other people are going through. Exactly. Uh, just the simple acknowledgement that there's still a human being. Exactly. Could be the thing that keeps them going today. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, she was just trying to help you out, and she was also probably trying to get through the line. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there's like, other you know people. What? Yeah, there, there's other people behind her. Yeah. So uh, no, Let no. Let me uh, just take care I, of this. I got it. I'd love to bless you. It makes me feel good. It makes you feel good, and we get to keep moving. So you know, right. it's, it's a win-win yeah. for everybody. And, 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 and the sad thing is, I've been on the part of giving. I give. You know, can't give right. every time I'm out there. I give when I can. Yeah. And now here was coming back to me and then I'm going to go, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, thank you. But then, I'm good. But, yeah. But when, but when she's, when she puts those words in, 
Don't yeah. steal my blessing. Then I have to back down then. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. That's crazy. Kim, this has been an amazing time together. And uh, I mean, I, we can almost do another hour. Uh, I know. This. <laughs> I got I so love, much more to share. I, oh, I love. <laughs> and I don't And I don't mind. Uh, I've done it before. And I've got the three other people that I've asked to come back and do some more with. And I don't mind putting you on the list to come back. This oh, is well, great. Thank you. This is great. This is yeah, amazing to help people and and what we're getting out of it. So um, yeah, I would like to invite you back for we'll call it a part two. I would love that. And a in a later date. Absolutely. So, that sounds like a pl good plan. All right, Kim. Hey, go ahead and tell people how they uh, get hold of you. Uh, find your website so they can download your five phrases you should never say to anyone with <laughs> cancer. So you can go to my website at 100, and that's the number 100. So 100actsoflove.com. It's the same title of the book. Um, and if you want the download, you can actually go to 100actsoflove.com backslash what not to say. No spaces, no capitals, what not to say. And you'll download the five phrases never to say to anybody with cancer or dealing with loss. You'll also get five phrases to say. And I also take the moment to explain why they're not good. So so it's not just having the right phrases, but for oh, yes. knowing why what not to say, you can then come up with your very own thing to say to someone who you care about. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. On Instagram, I, I'm at 100actsoflove.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Kim Hamer. I do um, weekly LinkedIn lives. Um, I do focus right now on supporting managers who are managing employees dealing with cancer loss or any other health crisis. So that's sort of my little niche. And I think the only thing else I want to say, um, the reason I'm doing this is because my my experience was that people kept showing up at our door and helping myself, my husband, and our three kids because somehow they figured out that they mattered, that what they did mattered, and they were absolutely right. I want every listener to please know how much you matter. I think today sometimes we forget that, that you know, that little smile you give to somebody the two bucks you pay for somebody else, the, the, you know, letting somebody in, in front of you in the car, all those things you do are your being kind and open and could help somebody. Um, and I want you to know that when your friend or, you know, some acquaintance who you don't even know that well is dealing with loss or death, what you do and say to them really matters. And you have the ability to help them build a foundation from which they could launch their new life from. Um, so Amen. you all matter. You spoke it. Yeah, you spoke it good there. So <laughs> you, did, you did goodly. You did I goodly. did goodly. I did goodly. But, uh, I mean, for you to get all the support and everything, it's uh, you and your husband and uh, children. Uh, you meant a lot to the community, and uh, it shows how you are and were for them to reciprocate back to you. Oh, so thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer of yeah, you get you get what you give and stuff like that. So um, and I hate to uh, end with a little story here, but uh, I had a friend of mine. His mother died, and a mm. friend of mine passed away with uh, the a day apart and they Oof. were both and they were uh uh both at the same funeral home 
Oh my so goodness. One friend, one friend with his mother died. It was like a family reunion. There was like a hundred people, 75 people there. They're telling stories about the mother and, you know, aunt yep. or sister, whoever friend. I mean, it was a good old time and everything. And I told a friend of mine, I said, Hey, I'm going to go over to the other side here to go see my friend who passed away and went over to go see him. Zero people in the room. Oh. His body was, and don't get me wrong. When I say zero, he lied. He did other things. He stole. Right, right, and, right. Yep. And yeah. uh, the, his own family. Now, not to say his family didn't show up, you know, right. to, at uh, certain times. But when I went over, no one was there. And yeah. no friends telling good stories and stuff. Yeah. So when I say with you, you and your husband, y'all got back, which y'all have been putting out uh, oh, for, thank for, you. for years. And y'all des deserved it all. So, thank all right. Uh, well, Kim, thank you. Yeah, we're going to keep in touch because I again want to get you back and we can go over some more stuff here because this has been, Amen. I, I've, I've enjoyed it and everything. So uh, you may be, I may be the only one you get to witness to. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to, we're going to push another uh, episode here when I get out to you later on. So, all right. That sounds good, James. Thank you right, so much you. for your time. Really appreciate you. Yes, thank you. Everybody be sure to visit Kim Hamer and go to her website, go to social media, do the old Google search, and that'll get you the where you need to go. I'll put the information in the show notes as well. Be sure to share this out. Uh, you know, she took a tragedy, and not that she's laughing up, beating and everything, but she's learned how to go through life and, 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 and pass it on to help other people. So, all right, everybody, thank you for being here. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for listening on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.